2: This is the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey,
1: everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Monday, July 24th edition of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. My guest today is Chad Parsons from Under the Helmet. You can find him at UTHDynasty.com and you can find him on Twitter at Chad Parsons NFL. Um, we're going to talk today about, we're not going to talk just dynasty. But we're going to talk about younger guys and their impact in 2017 and in dynasty leagues if you're so inclined to play them. Like Chad is. Chad, how many dynasty leagues do you play? About 30.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's manageable. I know some people that are are in more. And I'll mix in some redraft, but yeah, that's my centerpiece. And I'm going deeper and deeper. And if we talk a little bit of college and stuff like that, I mean, I definitely am, am shifting more towards. Getting to know college as well as I know the NFL and the future talent. That's a lot of,
1: I mean, it's your job, but that's yeah. a lot of work. See, covering, I, since I started doing this, which is 10 years ago, I mean, I'm a sports fan, like we all are. Um, but I basically decided that, you know, as I've gotten older, certain things have to fall by the wayside, and Saturdays have fallen by the wayside for me. I, if I'm going to focus on Sundays so much, I can't. I can't
2: do all day Saturday. I totally get that. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, but Saturdays are like my weekend because basically the NFL kind of stuff until I set lineups and we we react to all the sit starts and first thing in the morning. Um, before that, but but I don't really start watching the NFL actually until late Sunday night until it's on the um, you know the Game Pass and the the right. condensed game. So so really Saturday is my day. I sometimes just kind of veg out. Have. Have a couple games on and just ah and watch. Sounds yeah. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. Relax. So Sunday, so what do you do Sundays? Sunday afternoon. Sundays do do? Sundays I go dark uh, media once kickoff happens at one o'clock here on the East Coast, and then I wait until about six thirty when the games from one o'clock start coming up. So I just it's a weird feeling of not checking in with my teams, not knowing what's happening at all, because I like to watch the games fresh without knowing what happens. So that's sort of my um, you know, I'll, I'll be outside. I'll, I'll be removed from technology for five, six hours.
1: This is, you know, it's weird because last Thursday, um, a guy came on with me, Jim Coventry, is one of the Water, uh football guys. And he said, because I was asking him, I said, how do you follow games? Do you do it on the computer or, uh, or do, do you do it on an app? And I think he was the one who said to me, you know, he said on Sunday, he said, I don't, I don't check my fantasy scores on Sunday during the day. Yeah, and you know, it's it's me because I get addicted to it, and it's a really bad thing. And I play a lot fewer leagues than you because I decided I just can't, you know,
2: okay. I can't root against myself. Uh-huh. Well, well I, I made this pact with myself once I started seriously, and now that I run my own site, and I mean, I I put everyone else's teams and information for Monday um, ahead of my own, so I don't check my fantasy scores, my lineups. I mean, watching the games, you have a general sense of what players you own a lot and things like that, but. I mean, I'm up on Monday until maybe about four in the morning um, because I watch every play of every game. I, I do a recap podcast that's about an hour um, and then get the preemptive waiver wire, some injury looks and just kind of giving people a heads up. And until that is done and sometimes with no bye weeks, it's closer after 4 a.m. On the good side, maybe 2 a.m. And. It, that's that's my moment of if I want to get geeky on Mondays and, and check my team and kind of get back into the, the mode of being an owner. That's when I do it. But I have the evaluator hat on until then. Got it. All right. So we're going to talk. We're going to start and we're going to talk about one guy who's not
1: in the NFL. And after that, yep. everybody's going to be in the NFL. Um, people people joke around that that some teams are going to tank for Sam Darnold. Right. Yep. Um, Such for Sam.
2: Should they? How good is he? Um, I think he's probably closer to the pack than a lot of people are thinking. And, you know, so we're talking Devi right now when you're drafting college players or, or looking ahead. This is, you know, Devi dynasty. Um, and there's a lot of different you can have one player on a team you can draft. I, I know some leagues where you draft 20 or 30 college players <laughs> and you're taking bets. And these are lottery bets. Um, first of all. Debbie quarterbacks are really risky compared to the other positions. Um, running backs are pretty predictive for, for fantasy and the quarterback landscape. Let's not forget it's loaded. I mean, I look at 2017 specifically for, for redraft and there's 15, 18 type quarterbacks that I'm really comfortable if they're my starter and I wait and get them. So Donald is my favorite college prospect at quarterback, but I don't think it's a landslide. And I think that he has some concerns, and let's not forget that I've heard talk that he may even return. So people think thinking he's going to come out in 2017, that's not a lock, and he he may be one of those guys that that comes back for 2017, and he's a part of the 18 class. So the the odds are of getting a, a high quality fantasy option, even if he's the, a high first round pick or the 101, are fifty sixty percent right even in that even in that quote unquote elite zone so i'm I'm pretty skeptical and i mean tight ends are even a little more predictive of of fantasy wow. looking this far out than quarter quarterbacks I mean the NFL can't get it right yeah. so what chance do we have i mean they have droves <laughs> of scouts and and this is this changes the landscape of their franchise so when you, when you add the element of time, a lot of things can go wrong when you're evaluating a prospect from college to pro.
1: You know, it's funny. You, you, you said how, how risky they are, and you, know, you don't know what the guy's going to be because at this point everybody's pretty sure he's going to be you know, talking about the first overall pick. And it actually made me think the, the guy whose name just popped into my head was Christian Hackenberg. That yeah. Four years ago, let's say, whatever number of years. That he, he was the golden boy. Right. He was, he, was a, he was a lock to be an NFL, you know, holy cow. Penn State got him and, and he's going to be a stud. And now we're all just, now we just laugh at the mention of his name. Go, God, could you imagine if the Jets have to start him this year? That means well, they are sucking for
2: Sam. Well, Jared Goff, he was the number one pick. Where do we <laughs> feel about him after a year? Carson Wentz, uh, he wasn't even on any the deepest of, of Debbie leagues, Carson Wentz was undrafted. He was yeah. the number two overall pick, and he looks like the goods. And yeah, Christian Hackenberg was a reach in the second round, a lot of people felt. So it's just It's tough to get it right even at the top of the draft. Blake Bortles. I mean, just (laughs) it's tough. So, I mean, unless he is Andrew Luck, and maybe he will be perceived that way in eight months. Who knows? All right. Um, everyone, we'd like
1: to thank Yahoo Fantasy Football for sponsoring the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. You can sign up now for Yahoo Fantasy Football at dot slash Yahoo. Some contact information before we plow into the, the information here today. Um, check us out on Twitter. I mentioned already, Chad's at Chad Parsons NFL. I'm at Jay Halpin thirty seven. You can also get us at RotoWire. There's lots of player updates at RotoWire NFL, and you can find us on Facebook. Ask us questions there. All right, as I said earlier, we're, we're going to try to balance this with. I, I, I might bounce back and forth between Dynasty and 2017 information, but it's all—it's it, going to be all players that could help you this year. Some might help you more longer term than now. Um, Mariota versus Winston. Um, who do you like better now, and who do you like better for the future?
2: For the long haul, I, I trust Jameis Winston more. Uh, he has Mike Evans locked in. They just drafted O.J. Howard. Staple young weapons for him to... Uh, grow with um, as he gets into his mid 20s here. And he's the classic turn it loose guy in terms of making big plays and not having any fear about going downfield, throwing into contested situations, letting his his talent around him do some work. Also, I think he's a sneaky mobile guy. You know, he I think he's a good bet for two to four rushing touchdowns a year. If you kind of look back in five years of of what he is um, extending plays, he's not an overt runner. Um, but I just think he, uh, he adds that element, which is a boost over, you know, the Eli Manning types for fantasy. For Mariota, you know, I actually, of the two comparing them, I think he, if I had to make a bet on who has the potential to be the number one overall fantasy quarterback, I think it's Mariota. He has more big playability and... I think on a fantasy kind of efficiency level, he's done more with less so far. You kind of look back and Rashard Matthews was his de facto number one. I mean, you can argue last year he had one of the weakest set of weapons in the NFL. Right. And now he adds Corey Davis. That's a big piece. And I think they're going to continue um, to to work around him. He's been more accurate, a lower interception rate than, than Winston. So I think that he, he has more tools. But just when I look out, say, 10 years and say who's going to be – uh, still a staple element. I have more confidence in Jameis Winston, but I do think that if you know somebody finishes and challenges for number one, number two, number three, I don't know if, if Winston quite has that upside. I see him more as a mid-quarterback one once he gets rolling here in another year or two. Okay.
1: Um, where does
2: the guy who came out the same year, where does Derek Carr fit into that mix? I think he's probably the best true NFL quarterback of the three and his weapons though, are already amongst the best in the NFL with Cooper and Crabtree. But um, I I think his weapons aren't going to get substantially better over the next few years. He's more of the steady guy. So if I was, if if I wanted a guy that's going to be top 10, top 12 every year, which again, some leagues go deeper. So that has more value. Other ones that just sort of blends into the background. So I think the format would be, Choosing which of those three is most appealing to you. And one thing I wanted to mention was the the contract situation because Carr just signed a massive deal. And if you look at the landscape, a lot of times these quarterbacks, when they get the big deal, it really they have to be the goods. All of a sudden, the talent around them stops being as dominant. And you have Winston and Mariota comfortably on the rookie deal still, which gives them a window uh, of of building around them for the for the time being. Carr I, I kind of looked, and they're in a tough spot in the next in the next couple years in terms of their their cap. And Crabtree's making decent money. Jared Cook, look, it looks like a one-year type construction, but they're going to need to build through the draft. I think a little more than um, you know. We saw Deshaun Jackson be added. Um, I think the other two teams are going to have a, a, an easier time with the cap of of building around their young quarterbacks than Carr. Okay, um, you mentioned.
1: Carson Wentz earlier, yeah. I feel like people are down on him, and and it's, it's only one year, and and you you don't want to get caught in the trap of saying, well, I, I know this guy's going to get better because he's young and he was the number two overall pick, <laughs> right? But I feel like a lot of people are down on him, and, and you know there were there were bumps last year. I th- he wasn't as good as he looked early. Would they start three and zero, and everybody's all fired up that Carson Wentz is the greatest thing ever, and and he he struggled. Do you, do you think he takes his baby steps or bigger steps this season? Like I, I felt like there was a lot to like, and he's the type of guy that in a redraft league, if I'm, let's say, if I'm doing the two-quarterback stream, if I didn't get one of the better guys and, you know, I decided I wanted to go, uh, I mean, I don't know, not Andy Dalton as my first, but let's say Jameis or Carr something. I feel like having Wentz as a backup, if I was in the type of
2: league, the call for a backup would be a good thing. Do you like Wentz? I do. Um, I, I, w- I came away really impressed from his tape last year because there were so many games where maybe he had an early mistake, early interception. They were down 10 nothing, or, you know, just in an environment where you expect a rookie quarterback that can really avalanche over you and, and derail your entire game. But yet I saw him work. Let's forget. I mean, I mentioned with Marcus Mirota, it's not like Wentz had weapons last year. I mean, th- th- it was pretty much a train wreck. Yes. Nelson Aguilar didn't work out. Dorial Green-Beckham experiment didn't work out. They brought in Alshon Jeffrey. That's a huge step in the right direction. It's a one-year prove-it deal, but I think that's going to be a big addition. Now you get Jordan Matthews, Zach Ertz being ancillary guys. They brought in LeGarrette Blunt. Let's get more of a, of a traditional run game going that they didn't have a year ago. Um, I really like Wentz. You kind of mentioned what his utility is in fantasy, which is, Man, can I pair him up? You know, maybe with a, if you go by committee, you know, a Stafford or or a Prescott or a, a Rivers. I mean, someone like that. And then you get Wentz, who's his ADP is like QB 19, QB 20. I mean, I think he's going to finish higher than that. Um, you know, completed 62% of his passes as a rookie. He didn't look intimidated. He threw a bunch of balls. They put a lot on his play. I think it was 600 and something passes. And so I think he's the perfect spec play for upside and and you kind of mentioned it that he's a little beyond what you would want as your starting quarterback um, but you pair him with somebody else maybe in that quarterback eight to 15 range and I think he he gives them some, some qb1 flashes and if Jeffrey's right he gives them that intermediate intermediate to deep threat that they they really didn't have a year ago and and I think we're going to see growth all right. One pick
1: before him last year was Jared Goff. Uh, what do we do with this guy? I mean, you don't want him now, but and it's so early to say lost cause. But there's there was not he had no help last year. We'll give him that. But but did, were, there, were there signs? Was there anything? I mean, it didn't look on the surface to me like there was much to like. And you, you watched him last year. And you went, oh my god, I can't believe they picked this guy first. Right? Is there, yeah. is there
2: hope here? Um, I would say yes. So here's my argument for Jared Goff. Now, not really from a redraft sense. I would be thinking, you know, if you, if it's a super flex or start two quarterback kind of dynasty league, I think he's a tremendous bet in that, in that regard. And let's remember, it pretty much can't be worse. So (laughs) the entire front office, the coaching staff, I mean, this is a complete redo effort for the Rams. And so they threw Goff into that situation. Their best receiver was Kenny Britt, who had the quietest 1,000-yard season you will ever not know about last year on a horrible team. He's gone. Tavon Austin is there. They brought in Robert Woods. I don't think that's going to be a tremendous big effect. They brought in a bunch of later wide receivers of the rookie crop. See if that helps. But I just think there's a lot there. They have Todd Gurley. Um, Again, There's just was shrapnel going all over the place with this team. So nothing went right. You got Todd Gurley, who is now considered uh, on the Trent Richardson path. (laughs) You know, it's the dialogue a lot of people will use. I think they've misused Tavon Austin. I think he has a lot more pure receiver upside than they've let him do with their schemes. So he's a key component of a former top 10 pick. So, golf, I just kind of think you have to say, let's see what he has. You can't write him off. And honestly, from a big picture sense, I'm a little more concerned about Blake Bortles um, of two, you know, recently high guys that are. Um, you know not on a positive track, um, but for golf, I think you have to just say we 've seen quarterbacks get shell shocked by just going into a situation where they 're getting beat up, and he 's a rhythm kind of guy he ri- reminds me in a little bit a uh, way of, of a Sam Bradford where you need him getting the ball out quickly, um, he can be accurate, short to intermediate, and that 's sort of what he is and it just got off the rail so quickly for him last year. So not really, again, you're not really taking a shot on him in the top 20, 25 quarterbacks this year or anything. Right. But I think, I think they get a long leash as the number one overall pick. So it, it's really early to say he's done. Okay. Um, last one on quarterbacks. The rookies. Who's your favorite of the rookies? Um, Watson... Would be my first guy, Trubisky second, Mahomes third. Um, In terms of the timetable for snaps, you got people saying Mahomes, you know, I see him being picked in redraft, and I don't understand because Alex Smith is, I mean, he's going to get them to eight, nine wins, maybe 10 wins. I mean, they're going to be competitive. Now, I don't think they can go anywhere in the playoffs, but unless they, and Mahomes is such a, a project, I feel. But yet I sit and go, how many times does a number 10 pick, are they on the sidelines for a true redshirt season? Right. So I, I really have conflicting feelings about Mahomes, but I do feel like he has the most upside. Yet the weapons stink. So I will pick Watson for for kind of the shorter term, maybe this year and next year, just because you look at he has two first round picks at wide receiver. He has a functional offense, running game, kind of a complete package with the defense yep. that he can kind of step in and and do his thing where I don't know if he gets into the top 12 for fantasy or anything like that, but I think he can be a functional starter. Trubisky has a little more ways to go if Kevin White is, is healthy. I think that helps him, but there's a little more work to do, I think, in Chicago, and then Mahomes just needs more work, so I'll put lots of
1: I agree with you about the Chiefs. That's a weird spot to, to get a guy like that who's, not a, a, who's, who's probably not a polished, finished product because okay. it's hard to envision a scenario this season they just turn the Where keys you say, over it's time to put him in because when you're you know
2: you're 5 and 4 or 7 and 5 or yeah, right i don't know how you do it just pulling that trigger and going to the complete unknown when alex smith is sort of that hey he'll he'll keep you in it
1: right yeah i don't know and then if it doesn't work out you know he loses two games and he throws five interceptions then everybody freaks out at you and nfl missed the playoffs know, because of that right and they're not nfl coaches are so conservative they don't want to open up situations like that generally yeah
2: so maybe it is a red shirt again i that's what i think should happen and alex smith though the contract kind of says that they're going to turn it over in 2018 probably to mahomes yeah so all
1: right everybody we want to thank our friends at yahoo fantasy football for sponsoring the rotowire fantasy football podcast with yahoo fantasy football there are endless ways to feel the wins each week Whether it's a winning waiver claim, a winning piece of smack talk, or actually winning on the field, it's football in its funnest, best form, but there's no such thing as excessive celebration. Yahoo Fantasy Football is free to play and easy to use on a desktop or on mobile with the Yahoo Fantasy Sports app, which, as we talked about, Chad does not follow on Sunday afternoons, but I'm sure he'll check on Mondays. Uh, Sign up today at rotowire.com slash yahoo and download the Yahoo Fantasy Sports app, which has been rated number one by the Fantasy Sports Trade Association for three years in a row. The Yahoo Fantasy app messenger allows for all the witty banter and smack talk your league can muster. The app is just as extensive as the desktop experience. It lets you draft, trade, and comb waiver options right on your phone, uh, even when Pat Mahomes gets the call in Week 10, probably, I think. It gives you in-depth player and matchup analysis to help you fine-tune your roster each and every week. Switch your league to Yahoo, where you can manage your league dues for free. Sign up today for Yahoo Fantasy Football at rotowire.com slash yahoo. That's rotowire.com slash yahoo. Yahoo Fantasy Football. Feel the wins. Okay, we're going to move to running backs. And... This is the guy I feel like I talk about every every time I'm in, behind a microphone right now. Every time it comes up and I start talking about fantasy drafts, where we are July 24th, and I look at the guy and I go, I don't know if I get it. Um, Joe Mixon. Now, I understand that in a dynasty league, he's a different kind of uh, proposition. But I think in redrafts, I, I, and I'm starting to soften on this, Chad. I know I'm talking a lot, and I'll let you talk about him in a minute. I'm starting to soften on Joe Mixon. Because I look and I'm saying, it's not like people are picking him in the first round and expecting him to get 1,200 rushing yards. But as the 15th running back off board, I mean, I, I see risk. And in my early rounds right now, middle of the third, I see lots of risk here. Um, but what, tell me what your take is on Joe Mixon and how soon you think he will make a big fantasy impact.
2: Oh, I think it could be very soon. Um, I've been on Mixon since January. I mean, since we go in depth with the draft process, I mean, by the time we get to July, August, it seems like these players are veterans already just because we've done so much work on them um, throughout the whole process. But he really, I mean, some people throw around, you know, the Le'Veon, Ballard, David Johnson comparisons, but he really is in that zone of of a prospect of someone who could be a true two-way player, someone who could be a high leverage passing target. I mean, he's a round one NFL talent that, I mean, the Bengals obviously think so. They took him in round two when apparently high 20s of NFL teams didn't even have him on their board. So that's what they think. And I think this could be the perfect storm. Giovanni Bernard recovering from injury. Jeremy Hill, you know, kind of a doghouse situation, not likely in their plans after this year from a contract situation. So that means... I mean, let's bring in a, a, a workhorse because it's been kind of off the rails for the Bengals run game from what they were when they had the Hill-Bernard um, tandem going right. a while ago. so Not I that long looked, ago, really. Yeah, it was a couple short years, and we kind of forget that, I mean, that's where they were, and they were churning along, and now it seems, you know, both guys have kind of have holes in their game. So they went back, and let's get a true workhorse. Well. I'm bullish. You know, the third round zone I'm fine with, and we actually did a Football Guys mock where I was kind of planning on Mixon, and he went in the second round. That's where I have issues. I mean, he was off the board in the top, I want to say, 12 running backs. And so uh, too rich for me. And I kind of think in the the first couple rounds, you want unquestioned lead backs, guys that I'm not buying a committee. This is a – A a true 250, 300 touch, you know, maybe they get injured. There's other variables, obviously, with the running backs. But I just want want security. Now, the third round, I'm going to open it up a little more. I mean, Carlos Hyde comes into play, Joe Mixon in that zone. Get a lot more uncertainty with those running backs. So I think he could be a true difference maker, maybe not in September. But what are you really buying? You know, if you're buying David Johnson, what I always say is, Or Ezekiel Elliott, people are hand-wringing about if he's going to be out for a few games or whatever. No, you're buying a stud running back, so he's there for you in November and December. That's really what you're buying. I mean, if he misses some games, Le'Veon Bell missed, what, three games last year? No one cared. He was a monster (laughs) late. So you want 20-plus touches. You want those multiple touchdown games late. So the health is the real factor. And so for Mixon... I think the variable is not going to be Giovanni Bernard. I think be, I think it's going to be Jeremy Hill. So mm-hmm. if they really minimize Jeremy Hill and say you're not a part of our big picture plans, and Mixon, all reports are he's you know doing well. They love the kid. Um, that's great. So I think this could be the perfect David Johnson like second half where Mixon is a top five running back. I, I think that is within the scope of of po- possibility. So. So, you think, so, if I'm getting him as my running back, 2 I, I'm comfortable with that because I think he is one of the, you know, take five to 10 players in the mid rounds. He could be a league winner. I'm not saying that happens, but that's my philosophy in redraft. I take big swings at the pinata. Yep. And if, they, if I hit on one or two, I know I'm going to be there in the end. Okay.
1: So, do you think they're going to bear? I mean, I, the, the way I'm looking at Jeremy no, Hill is. I don't. I, I don't either, but I, I'm looking at, and I know, it, like you said, doghouse situation. They were trying to get rid of him. Right, But I look at it and I go, are they going to just bury him? Right. I mean, the guy scored 29 touchdowns in three years, and now I'm, I'm supposed to believe that he's just going to you know sit on the bench.
2: And are they really going to give, again, he's a second-round rookie, that he's going to barely be 21 years old for week one. Are they really going to give that guy the keys? And usually <clears throat> the answer is no. So that's the, that's the pause button. And so, I mean, I'm actually looking at this, and I, I did some research. Second-round running backs in a rookie year, only 33% of them have five plus games of 50 yards or more rushing. Right. So those aren't good odds. Now, is mixing more of a round one guy, well, that goes up to about 50 something percent. So, but it's still not you know a lock. He's not a top five running back like a Leonard Fournette, where they they do get handed the keys. Okay. So it's just. So, yes, I do have some situational pause, but I think we could get to the point where you see three, four games and it's like this isn't even close. We can't use Jeremy Hill in a true movable chess piece fashion that we can Joe Mixon and they start having fun with Joe Mixon. So I could see it changing, but I could also see people kind of being, man, I got a third round pick invested in Joe Mixon and he's put up, you know, 78 yards in the first four weeks. (laughs) I could see that scenario. But again, you kind of look at the big picture of the entire season. And I think you look back in December and you go, I won or I made the playoffs because I drafted Joe Mixon.
1: Okay. Last one on him.
2: Can he block? Um, He can block a little bit. Now, again, that's always the big crux. And even if Jeremy Hill is not as talented of a player with the ball in his hands. So that's a big factor. I'm glad you brought that up. So for, for rookie running backs, that's the crit- that, that more than anything is what you need to watch during the preseason. Can right. the guy block? You need to be, when they say, you know, he's doing well on third downs, when he's doing those type of things, that's the critical element. Protect our quarterback is yes. probably, I mean, if you average 3 8 a carry as opposed to 4 3, they're okay with that if you can block well.
1: Yes, because basically, that, I feel like fantasy owners forget that. That, that, that you gets know, you on the field. That's your ticket it, to the bus. That's right, because at, yeah, we talk about Mixon as a two-way player that he can catch the ball. But if he can't protect the quarterback, they're not going to let him out there. They're not going to run around
2: time. Right. right. Okay. Um, how good is Jordan Howard? <laughs> um, all right. So my recommendation was to sell last year because okay. – Day, two, day three guy that gets the job. He was easily worth double, triple what you paid in a rookie draft setting a year ago. Mm-hmm. Now, I expected them to bring in some more competition. They basically brought in none. So he's safe. He is safe this year for you know 300-plus touches. I'm skeptical of the upside. I think it's a limited offense. I think he's a decent talent. I think he was underdrafted by the NFL. I thought he was closer to the day two range than where he fell. I think in the one fifties somewhere in that zone. So I think they're going to bring in heavy competition next year, but that's more of a different discussion. So I'm, I'm pretty safe with Howard. He's right there in that top 10 kind of zone for, for running backs in the, you know, a Murray Gurley. I think that's fair. um, Because, He's got a lot of security. I'm skeptical he gets to 10 plus touchdowns on that offense. So, but I like the tape. He was shedding tacklers regularly, doing a lot of work on his own. Um, the game script might be rough. Um, it might even be more rough than last year. So, I think wow. he's situationally tempered. And uh, so, I, I'm skeptical of the upside. But I think you're you're right in saying I'm buying a guy with a floor that's a mid running back too. Okay.
1: Um, oh, so the guys you mentioned. Let's say the younger guys you mentioned yep. in a dynasty league. Yep. I'm looking at second and third round, second third year guys here, and I'm looking at forget Zeke, um, <laughs> Gordon, Ajay, Freeman, or
2: Howard. Who oh, like Melvin best? Gordon. Okay, that's not even that's not even close. Is who second? Uh, what were the other ones? Ajayi, uh, Freeman, Howard. Um, they're all, I actually looked at my rankings. They're all in the same tier. And see, what's funny is Howard's the youngest, but I think he is the most tenuous on having a big role over the next one to two years. Ajayi, I'm really intrigued by um, because he was that – I think he got pushed down because of an injury in the draft. But um, he kind of fits that prototype a little more. I, I'm really skeptical of Freeman. Freeman's one of my biggest sells because – He's not prototypically sized. I'm really um, not feeling good about the loss of Shanahan. And Atlanta's whole offense was just in fuego last year. And I just, there are regression waiting to happen on all fronts. So, and he has a strong number two in Tevin Coleman. So yep. I, I, I'm very skeptical of Freeman, and I would be selling. All right. So you mentioned uh, Kyle Shanahan.
1: And there's the story about how oh. he pounded on the table for Joe Williams, right? That, mm-hmm. What did they pick him? Fourth round,
0: yeah. and
1: and he pounded on the table, and and you look there and you say, well, on the surface you would think they really didn't bring in much competition for Carlos Hyde, but you worry about Carlos Hyde because of his injury history. He's a nice back, when yep. he, he's productive, but but he's you, you, you feel like you can't trust him. Um, they also brought in Tim Hightower, which not a dynasty guy, but he's short term wise. Hmm, I think you like him. I love him. You'd love him. So do, yes. do you tell me tell me about, quick about all three of them. Where are you I mean sure. Carlos Hyde in a redraft in round looking at ADP. Carlos Hyde is actually right around Nixon, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, round 3, round 4. Yep. Well, well, I I like Hyde in that range. Um, especially if I get him as my running back 3, if you're kind of going running back heavy early. I, I that to me is again, you're trying to get a guy that if you get it right in the, you know, you get the lead back and Hyde is the most talented there of the Shanahan offense, I think at the end of the year, you're going to be very happy. So that to me is a very um, expected bet. You know, if you can, if you can get, that's the sort of bet you should be making that range. You shouldn't be making the Christian McCaffrey bet, for example, <laughs> you know, or here, here, I agree. So, so I, that's the opposite kind of investment. So, and Tim Hightower, he was off the grid for what, a couple years? It felt like he was gone forever. And then he comes back, resurfaces, and he was taking, legitimately taking touches from Mark Ingram. Yep. And, and being the lead back and saying, go sit over there, former first round pick. I got this. Like he, he is the ultimate NFL veteran, steady running back where he's going to come in, th- three way player, run, catch, block. And, you know, he may never average five yards a carry, he may not be dynamic. But, you know, he does every single thing well. And what I always say about all these Joe Williams lovers, you're saying, oh, Williams is going to come in and take Carlos High's job. You need to be worried about Tim Hightower first. You need to be worried about getting the number two job. That's going to be a tall task for you. And Joe Williams, I see these people in, in rookie drafts taking him, Joe Williams in the mid-second round. And I, it, it's hilarious to me. The profile is horrific. And everyone's using this pound-the-table Storyline to make that the most important thing it's on a, earth.
1: It's a good story.
2: I, I get it. But I mean, I understand what you're saying. The real, ra-
1: real life goes beyond the story here.
2: He's but. a day three running back. Right. His BMI is 29, which is suboptimal. <laughs> he's 210 pounds. He's going to be 24 years old when he takes his first meaningful snap in the NFL. He was a, a, a know-nothing recruit. I mean, this whole profile is a house of cards. He wasn't even that productive. Um, he, I think he retired and then came back from, from college football. This is someone he broke out at 22 years old. You don't want that. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, the exact profile when I look at prospects you don't want is a late arriving guy at running back that wasn't a big recruit. Uh, just this whole thing doesn't make sense. I mean, how they took, they should have been taking two or three other running backs at that spot in the draft over Joe Williams. And so I think he's firmly the number three guy on the depth chart. He needs to be worrying about the number two spot with Car- with Tim Hightower, even if Hyde doesn't work out. Hightower is a lot cheaper than Joe Williams. They're all, both of those guys are relatively low cost. But just, I think people assuming that Williams at some point this season will be the lead back, uh, they're going to drop that guy for a waiver option in September. So it's not... I think they're getting way ahead of themselves. So, yeah, Hyde is my bet, and Hightower is one of my favorite stashes. Because if he gets that role, again, I think, what, it was a year or two ago that he was an impactful late-season guy. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens for a chunk of time this year again.
1: All right, so you are not going to own – and you're going to own – in redraft, you're going to own a lot of Tim Hightower shares, I get the feeling.
2: Yeah, I mean, if it's 15-man rosters or 16, something like that, it's tough. But when you get to 20, 22, oh, all day, one of my last picks, yeah. All right.
1: Um, I want to talk about a rookie back, Redskins. All right. I, I always get it. It's Perine, right? Samaj P. Ryan. P. Ryan. Sorry. Yeah. Samaj P. Ryan. My bad. bad. Bad fantasy football podcast host that I forgot a pronunciation of the name. Um. Do you – are you – as? I feel like – Rob Kelly was not bad last year. And and I feel like everybody's just sort of he, – he's sort of off the grid, right? He is – I'm looking at ADP, Rob Kelly. He's definitely right. off the grid, yeah. He's the 38th back going off the
2: board. Right, potential, potential week one starter, right? And he's going – hold on. Where is he? I mean, that's There's, round he's, eight. He's,
1: he's going behind p run Right. After an yep. ADP he's going behind.
2: Is that, is that right to you? I think so. Yeah, that's right. And the biggest problem I have with P Ryan again, I like P Ryan. I mean, you rewind to January. He was one of my favorite running backs. He still is a player. I like now what happened is he fell. He fell in the draft. I mean, I thought he was a, a top 75 kind of pick all day. Well, the NFL didn't think so. Um, I, I wonder if he's going to be a limited two down player. And he's not overly dynamic. So those are some elements going against him. That's probably the reason he didn't go as highly as, you know, a lot of people expected, Mm -hmm. but he, I think he's over, I think he's properly valued. Um, I actually looked though, but I mean, neck to neck with Danny Woodhead, that's insane. Um, (laughs) Woodhead should be 15 spots higher, um, in positional ADP. So that's, that's a glaring misstep. I mean, Forte as well, Jonathan Stewart, I would take all those guys over P Ryan. Um, but, uh, I I do think he's going to take over this job. Um, Kelly, I think, is just one of those depth NFL backs. I don't have a lot of faith in him. So I wouldn't be surprised if Pirine, by, say, mid-October, is getting more carries. And I still am quizzical about the Matt Jones thing. I mean, he was productive. When you look at what happened with him in Washington, I mean, he he was basically productive until the day that he never played again. Right. <laughs> like, he was um, fumbling, right? Didn't he fumble? He, he was fumbling, yes. Um, and we've seen that derail some backs. But in terms of, I mean, he to me, he ran circles around... Um, Rob Kelly, just in terms of what he offers as a starting running back. So it was almost like we talked about that earlier, you know, can you be a steady guy? And Rob Kelly was steadier in terms of the fumbles and just don't do anything to mess up what we're trying to do in the past game. And that ended up getting him the job uh, over the course of last year over Matt Jones. So that just goes to show you sort of the disconnect maybe between fantasy and between actual NFL managing of games and players. So for P Ryan, uh, it's in, If you've seen some rookie drafts, though, it's insane how high he's going. Yeah, And I can't promote him. He's going in the top 10 a lot. And when you say the, the biggest danger of a round one rookie pick is when you take a guy that was, say, like a day three pick and you're pushing him up because of situation. That's the worst investment you can possibly make. And I like Piran. I just think you're taking out any potential profit by taking him that high, and Kareem Hunt's another one. So... For for redraft, I'm fine. We're talking about him, you know, in the 30s. On um, there are a few running backs I would easily take ahead of him in that round seven, eight, nine range. But I think that's where he fits, and I do think he should go ahead of Rob Kelly.
1: But but now, so, you, so you're down here, and he's I'm looking at him, and he's RB 34 on ADP, right? Like you said, ahead of Woodhead, which is pretty funny. But so he's he's sitting here that we think he is going to take the early round. He's going to take over ahead of Kelly for the early round carries at some point, and he is going to give way to Chris Thompson on third downs. Every time, probably. So, so yeah. there
2: is, I mean... That's limited. That, that really, I hate that when you... Because when, what do you want? You want touchdowns or catches? Those are really the high leverage situations. And P. Ryan, I mean, I don't know. I, I think Washington's going to take a step back on offense. So I don't know how many point-blank touchdowns he's going to get a crack at. Five? Six? Right. I mean... So he's more of a. If he gets the job, he'll be a running back too. So I don't know if he has sort of enough. But on the flip side, I mean, I think Danny Woodhead's going to be top twelve. Like, so let's right. <laughs> in PPR. So, so that's the what I'm looking for of taking a, a shot later with running backs. I want a guy that can be top twelve, top fifteen, top eighteen. And I don't know if P Ryan has that much juice. So that's a concern. He gets snipped away. Well, the one thing Chris Thompson do does is catch passes, Absolutely. you know, and, and so so he needs goal line. Pirine needs 20 carries a game, but we've also seen some empty uh, performances where guys are getting 15, 18, 20 touches, and they're all between the 20s. They don't have a touchdown. They have one catch. Those could be stat lines we see for Pirine, and it really doesn't mean a lot for fantasy. All right. Any rookie running backs that, that we haven't talked about that you want to plug? I'll make a, I'll make a pitch for James Conner. Uh, talk about a high-leverage late guy. Um, he's by far the second most talented guy on that thin-depth chart. He has a three-down profile. Le'Veon Bell has two risk factors, suspension and injury. So any game Bell misses, I think Conner is going to be an RB1 projection. And he's outside the top 50. Um, I didn't check the the latest ADP, um, we're using, but look at that. It's running back 68. (laughs) Right. I mean, you can get him basically with your last pick type, type thing. And so he could be a league winner. I'm looking for a guy that if, uh, tell the story, if one thing happens, if Le'Veon Bell is out of the lineup, James Conner, you know, can be a league winner, um, or a matchup winner that week. So he's the perfect guy that, if you draft them, you gotta hold them, you, so it, ha, it can't be the, the shallowest of rosters, where you're gonna just be churning and burning every week on the waiver wire, and James Conner's gonna burn a hole in your pocket in September. So, but he's that you know Rolodex guy that it, it clear-cut path to being you know 20 plus touches and, and on a great offense.
1: Okay, let's jump to wide receivers. Um, so three rookies in the top 10, and nobody wants anything to do with them in redraft who's, is there a rookie
2: wide receiver for 2017 that you'd like? Not really. I mean, I could see the scenario with Corey Davis. You know, if Eric Decker isn't right, or he's a quickly eroding player, um, I I like Davis's situation to potentially be the number one. But with wide receiver, I mean, you either got to be the number one or you got to be a number two on a really strong offense. And so for Corey Davis, I love him long-term. He's near bulletproof. But I just think that, none of these rookie wide receivers and it's pretty deep field so you really pick your spots i mean you can get guys like i mean the mid rounds or later rounds marvin jones for example he could easily be the number one kind of an established guy so i think there's plenty of directions to go later where you just don't need to go rookie wide receiver and i think this is the perfect year to execute that strategy okay
1: um Yeah, I don't want. I mean, basically, I was going to ask you long term, but Corey Davis is a guy, and I think I agree, so that's good. Um, What do we, dynasty wise, what do you do with Mark Tavis Bryant? Sell Mortimer, sell. Really? I mean, he's a huge risk. I mean, when you watch him,
2: he's just phenomenal. You know how risky he is, though? I know. Even when he was conditionally reinstated, he didn't even get that Josh Gordon, or, you know, we've seen other guys kind of bump back. Near what their previous value was, no one is touching Brian. I have him in one league, got him in a trade a few years ago, and I cannot sell him for something tangible. so my <laughs> only hope my only hope is this conditional reinstatement stands. He actually gets back to the field, but all uh, all data de- digging people have done is that suspensions these sort of you know off the field concerns they crop back up and you typically don't stay on the field for long so he and let's let's say this is he ever going to be the number one over antonio brown ever no no so you're really trying to shoot the needle on what his upside could be and juju smith schuster was brought in i don't think that's a coincidence and he's a guy i love so and and he has a bell catching
1: 75 passes
2: as the number two receiver as he wants to get paid. So, so I think this is a situation where, if you have him I mean I wouldn't touch him in, in redraft. I think he's, you're taking on all the rest. Conditional reinstatement. Let's say that one more time. This isn't full. This isn't guaranteed. This is this is almost telling yourself, yeah, on Friday night, yeah, you can go out with your friends conditionally. <laughs> and it's Monday, right? I mean there's a lot of ground to cover I, and to be a, a good soldier, you know, and, and be on the right path to get to go out with your friends on Friday night. So
1: All right. All right. So no no go on Martavis Prime. Okay. No. Auto uh, New Fantasy Football lets you build your fantasy football dynasty like an NFL GM. It's better fantasy football auction based, deep rosters, and college players in the player pool like Sam Darnold, who might or might not be good. Stash college prospects for the future, trade for superstars to make a championship push, and develop a team over multiple seasons. We are right up Chad's alley here. Play against the best fantasy football competition on the internet. It's Auto New Fantasy Football, O T T O N E U, Auto Let's continue with wide receivers. Corey Coleman. I feel like the bloom has come off the rose very quickly on Corey Coleman. That yep. uh, you know there were Steve Smith comparisons when he got drafted, and now everybody's gonna eh, you know hurt whatever. Bah, no quarterback, whatever. Are we are we out on Corey Coleman? I mean, you don't know give up. We're not giving up on anybody yet. But are, is the trend line? Is is the arrow pointing down on Corey Coleman?
2: I'm not touching him for 2017. Um, I think the Kenny Britt signing is big. Few people are giving Kenny Britt any credit, but I've been tracking him since he kind of reemerged with, you know, the Jeff Fisher factor and getting another chance and, and growing over two seasons with the Rams. That's a big signing and Britt is going to be the number one. Let's here's kind of what Corey Coleman is. And I've never really wavered since he entered the process, you know, in what he could be is he can be that speed number two on a good passing team. Now he, he he needs a number one, <laughs> right. and that's not really what the Browns are. I mean, they're searching for a quarterback. I think Brock Osweiler is going to be a little better than people are expecting, but I don't expect this is going to be a run team. Crowell is kind of the piece you want of that, of that offense. So Coleman, again, he's more of a longer-term play, and I, this year, I mean, he's around, what, wide receiver 45 or so that's that's too rich for a number two guy that guy that when are you going to be comfortable putting him in your head-to-head lineups i mean best ball i feel a lot more comfortable because i do think he'll have three to four games where he gets loose uses his speed long touchdowns something like that where he's where he's usable so um but but yeah i'm kind of out in terms of the head-to-head redraft market for Corey coleman this year okay
1: that's this one and by the way this is a as a Rutgers graduate, this is always a pro Kenny Britt podcast. As I, he's another guy somehow I mention all the time because every time his name comes off, I go, oh yeah, Kenny Britt.
2: <laughs> he's still, I mean, people people think he's like thirty five years old because he came in so young. He was what? He's missed a lot of time and just yeah, he's still around. He's like twenty nine now.
1: Yeah, love it. Um, all right, let's go to the Bears. You mentioned Kevin White earlier. Um, lots of injury. I mean, he came. He was a really high draft pick. Number seven. Number seven. And leg injuries. Wasn't there a room? Was, was, was the story that one leg was shorter than the other? Am I remembering that? <laughs> I think I remember that, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's true. But, you know, urban legends are fun, whether they're true or not. But um, is Kevin White, Is it, he looks to me like someone... I would like to throw a dart at late in the redraft league, right?
2: Yes. He's one of my, he's like my Danny Woodhead, you know, or my Tim Hightower. He, if I was to make five or six guys that are my redraft guys this year, Kevin White's one of them. I mean, he's wide receiver 60. Yeah. He, as the number seven pick, the only thing that stands in his way is health. He's going to get every opportunity to be the lead receiver. Cameron Meredith, I think is there in case of emergency break glass. And it was last year. They forced him into that. But I don't think he's going to be in their plan. So Meredith, I'm very, um, you know, selling. And then then Kevin White, again, if he's right, I I just kind of think this is the perfect combination. People are throwing water on him because he played, what, four games last year, something like that. Right. He got a lot of targets. Every week he looked better. And a guy that missed his rookie season, you come in, and you play sparsely, you're still kind of acclimating. I mean, you can get all the mental reps you want. Getting on the field for live NFL regular season action is a completely new level. And so I give him every tiebreaker, and we don't know what he is yet. Right
1: so we, we don't have tape on enough tape on him to say right. he's not good
2: he can't do it right he's an incomplete grade is what I kind of say I, he's not proved a success or a failure yet but I do know this he'll get a lot of chances and he may wash out because of injury and it may be you know one more year or maybe two more years and that's it. You know, if injury continues to derail him and he, he's not the same physically. So that probably starts the conversation, but you gotta, he is the play. And again, I, I don't know if the top receiver finishes any higher than say wide receiver 24 in that bears offense, right. That's going to be rather limited, but he's the bet. You no, know, Meredith to me is not the bet. If one guy finishes in the top 30 of the two, I think it's Kevin white. So, so he's my bet. And it's not all that close because Meredith is going at, why does he 42, that's a that's a Grand canyon size difference of costs.
1: Right. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't like investing in, in guys with injury histories like this, but this, there's not really an investment to be made.
2: Well, you look in that zone, you say, who can be the number one wide receiver for their team? Right. Robert Woods, I'm sorry, you don't really count. But, right. uh, I mean, could it be Perriman? Kevin White? I mean, those are sort of my favorites in that zone. Tavon Austin. Right. I mean, there's very few. I'm with you.
1: Okay. A guy a few spots above Kevin White. Josh Doxson, I want to talk about. We we talked about the the wide receivers in this year's first round that nobody wants. And we got two wide receivers from last year's first round that nobody wants. (laughs) Um, Josh Doxson is going to get his chance now, right? Well, we we think so. We think so. I mean, it sounds like Crowder might play outside. That doesn't sound right. Some outside. (laughs) I I saw someone, it was a blurb somewhere last night that said, in two wide sets he'll play outside, and then in three wide sets he'll play the slot. I don't believe it. Okay. Um, Josh Doxson, I mean, that that was a big investment for them to write him off. It seems like he's going to get his chance. Do you think he could do anything with that chance?
2: Well, the name we haven't mentioned yet, which is actually more concerning for me, is Terrell Pryor. Yeah. That this is a guy. I mean, people keep throwing the, well, he's a, he's older, he's a converted player. I watched every target last year. If I was transported from another planet and <laughs> you just showed me all the wide receiver tapes, you know, back to back of all their targets, I would say Pryor's a top 10 to 15 NFL wide receiver. Yeah. You would never know. This guy has enviable traits. He moves so well for his size. And he got... He got signed with Washington. It's on a prove it deal. He's highly motivated. He gets a, a better quarterback than he's ever had. I mean, I think Pryor is a big time hindrance to Dachshund. because let's go back to the formula: you want a number one receiver or you want a number two on a really good offense. And Crowder's not going to go away. Jordan Reed's not going away. So I don't know if they can really fuel both of of Duxton and Pryor. So for me, the key player is Do- is Pryor. And so for Dachshund, I mean, I like the player. I like the player plenty, and a first-round pick is going to get more opportunities. But I just think Pryor's too good to kind of sit on the bench or get 35 snaps a game. So I just, to me, that's the key question is, can this be a a big-time passing offense that kind of fuels? There's going to be a giant disappointment of the names I just mentioned fantasy-wise this year. And I don't really have a feel on what the answer is. I mean, I'm skeptical of Crowder because you're, Betting on slot guys that aren't, you know, Tom Brady guys right. or, or Peyton Manning guys aren't really a good bet year over year. So um, color me skeptical on Crowder, but I, I'm a, a big Pryor fan just in terms of the talent and skill set and what I saw last year um, with some regular usage. And so I, I just I think, you know, unless Crowder goes away a lot, I don't know if there's room for Dachshund and Pryor. OK,
1: um, what happened to Laquan Treadwell? They just got they, they. It seemed like he just turned everybody off up there.
2: I it, here's the thing: we talked about incomplete grades with Kevin White. I don't know if Treadwell's an incomplete because he just didn't play. Yeah, and talk about the perfect storm for Adam Thielen coming in and playing his best ball. Right. I think it's 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 a a, a damning statement for Treadwell that they brought uh, they brought uh, Thielen back. They didn't have to. Right. And so Treadwell. And here's what I say is is he ever jumping Stefan Diggs? No. So let's start there. If the answer is no, that caps is stealing tremendously on his current situation. Then you say Adam Thielen, he's the almost the Tim Hightower type, right? Scrappy, he's gonna do everything right. He made some big time highlight plays. He's not going away. So that hurts Treadwell as well. So he's he's behind again. And this was a player I didn't even like coming out. So I, I thought that was a bit of an overdraft on him. He averaged something like 11 yards per catch in his college career. Right. I mean, I think he's being propped up because people, he was the golden boy back when he was an incoming freshman, you know, and just, oh, Treadwell's the next great wide receiver. He's never been that, yeah. ever. And then he was a first-round pick, and everyone resets. Oh, he's great again. And I just, he's on an offense that it's tremendously capped. I have ceiling questions about Stephon Diggs. Let's not even advance to Thielen and Treadwell. So for Treadwell, I mean I've been out, but I think the argument becomes easier and easier. I mean he just didn't play. Yeah. And it's not because he was hurt. So that means something. He was the number four. He's running as the running. He was sitting, standing (laughs) as the number four most of the season. So I, I just I don't know how you can invest in an offense and they drafted Dalvin Cook as well. I mean, there are more mouths to feed and it's it's not a high level offense throwing the ball.
1: All right. Um, let's go to tight ends. You had three, three rookies in the first round, right? Um, do you, what do you think of them for the end of three rookies were OJ Howard, Evan Ingram and David Joku for the Browns. Do you like any of them for this
2: year? Not really. Um, I think what you want out of a, of a rookie tight end, you want to see some flashes. You want to see a few games, you know, a few touchdowns, what they could be. I think the situations, Howard, He's going to be at best, what, the number three option. Cameron Braid is good. Yeah. So I don't think they're going to just go away from him on a on a one-year deal um, as they transition. So even as a pro-ready guy, Howard really capped. Evan Ingram, I mean, they have a lot of mouths in it with the Giants. They do. So that is blocked as well, even if he is the starter in name um, for tight end. So, so I don't like him. David Joku actually, opportunity-wise, may have the most juice for this year. And for the long term... Um, I'm actually like Howard, the least of the three. So that's, yes. And that's a very, I know, not controversial, but very uncommon view. Um, David Joku and Evan Ingram are so metrically rare. And I'm not saying Howard's going to miss. Round one tight ends don't miss. Ask Brandon Pettigrew fantasy owners. (laughs) That's the worst case, I always say, is is Brandon Pettigrew. So Howard, here's what I say for him, is that, is he ever overtaking Mike Evans? So, because the equation you want for elite production is at, at tight end is a strong quarterback and a non-dominant wide receiver. One, the Gronkowski factor, right? right. That's worked for a long time. Travis Kelsey, Greg Olson, those are, those are Greg Olson. Those are good, you know, good combinations there. So for Howard. I mean, I don't know how they let Mike Evans go. I, I just think that that is a big-time roadblock to his ceiling. I have no doubts he'll be a tight end one in the future. Yeah. But David Joku could have a free run of this thing. If they fix quarterback over the next couple years, I think his his untapped physical ceiling is higher than Howard's. And Evan Ingram, I mean, this again, he's a game-changer. He's a mismatch waiting to happen. Now, he has... Uh, Odell Beckham so that's another situational block in the big picture sense and it's Sterling Shepard is functional so that's I I don't think any of them is a green light in terms of every facet of their situation for me saying that they're going to be a top three fantasy option in the next three years or something like that so but I do like Joku and Ingram more but it doesn't matter because in rookie drafts Howard always goes ahead of them so so my recommendation is always can I get the second or third guy and it's all three of them I mean, they are rare. First-round tight ends, we haven't had many for a while, and they are all worthy of that, and I just prefer Joe England.
1: Okay, last, last question. Yep. Um, the Eric Ebron. It, it, Eric <laughs> Ebron has been a popular topic over the last month, I feel. Um, I, I can't go on Twitter without seeing people debate or discuss Eric Ebron, because, and I, I am pro-Ebron. Just, I I don't love him because he. I mean, he's not. He's a somewhat. He's a flawed player. To the to the thing you just posed, there's not a dominant one there. His catches yards have progressed in each of his three seasons. Um, Last year, on a per game, he was close to you know he was. If you extrapolate, he was he was 75 reception pace. Um, I, I, as a, I have him seventh, at tight end. How much do you like Eric? Eber?
2: Uh, no more than you. Okay. So I'll, I'll say that I, I think he's a pretty safe bet to fit in that, say tight end eight to 12 range. So I think it's fair where he's going. I think he's in that 10 to 15 range of ADP and it's, and let's face it, you get outside of, I mean, I'll even include Olson and Reed. So you have, you know, Gronkowski, Kelsey, Reed, Olson, I mean, I think it'd be surprising if those guys didn't finish in the top six. Right. So you have so there's not a lot of room at the top, I would say, to truly get there. Martellus Bennett's pretty intriguing, but it's it's kind of wide open after that. It's the Wild West. So I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes as high as what you just said, you know, six, seven, sort of in that zone. I think there's five or six guys that could finish there. Okay. And, and, and I think the floor is pretty high because 85 targets a year ago, and what's their wide receiver situation? I mean, Bolden... Uh, I mean, I guess he could end up being back, but probably not. (laughs) Um, But Golden Tate, I mean, more of an ancillary guy. Marvin Jones, hot and then completely cold for the end of the season. So it's not, it's an ideal situation for running backs and tight ends to thrive in that offense. And that's where they, I mean, uh, sorry, running backs have been where where they've been sort of the most valuable uh, from a fantasy sense for a while. So I feel like Ebron is that he's a high floor I'm very skeptical of the ceiling though, and know what you're buying because he's not a big touchdown guy. He's not a physical guy. You know, he's more of a, it's interesting. He, I I view him as a seam stretcher yet. They don't really use him that way. The number of times he has as much imagination with his routes as Jason Witten, because Jason Witten runs what eight yards and turns around (laughs) eight yards. And he's either (laughs) takes three steps to the right or three steps to the left. And they still can't cover him because he pushes off now. Uh, But uh, for Ebron, I feel like they ran him a lot on these like speed at three yard outs and hopefully he can turn up the sideline. Like that was almost like, it seemed like half of his receptions came on that kind of variety. So I don't know. I think he's just, they've been slow playing him along, whether that's reasoning on his side or just how they're using him in the offense. But I don't think, you know, these big plays that we sporadically saw at North Carolina, are coming for the, his NFL game. So right. he, you're buying him based on targets. I don't think he's potentially an 8 to 10 touchdown guy. Like, I just, I think he's going to be okay. 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 And you're gonna, it's going to be volume-infused. But you, I, I would be surprised if he doesn't finish in the top 12.
1: All right. Yeah. Um, um, he's he's going to be on a bunch of my teams, I have a feeling, even with some of the hype that's going on. He's pretty late. I mean,
2: if you can get him in around 10, 11, 12, I yeah. mean, I, I would rather have him over Cook and Witten and, I mean, almost anybody in that range.
1: Right. I understand. But I wonder in on August 20th where that ADP is going to be. Yeah. Because I think it's going to change. Um, All right, everybody, listeners to our podcast can get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card required for that. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out at rotowire.com slash pod. All right, um, Chad's at uthdynasty.com. Thanks so much for doing this. What are you going to be working on in the near future?
2: Uh, We do more than 200 premium podcasts annually. I'm on every single one of them. Groundbreaking dynasty trade calculator, in-depth college prospect coverage, daily written content, action-based advice to dominate your dynasty league.
1: Dominate your dynasty league without uh, Christian Hackenberg or Sam Darnold, probably. Right <laughs> now. <laughs> right. All right, thanks, Chad. If you, everybody if you like this podcast, we would appreciate it if you would leave us a review and a rating. Um, that would really help us a lot. Thanks for listening to the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. Tomorrow, we're supposed to have Scott Pianowski from Yahoo, so uh, please check that out on Tuesday. Um, I, I guess that's it for today thanks a lot everybody for chad parsons i'm john halpin and we appreciate you listening to the rotowire fantasy football podcast
0: without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies